on this episode of Quantum Week, April 5th through 11th, 1987. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music, headlines, our personal stories, and we are in uh, the beginning of April 1987 with Lethal Weapon and Tonight, Tonight, Tonight by uh, Genesis. Yes. Before we do that, last episode, we, on the Patreon episode, we talked about Matt with Matt's fear of flying, and I said it was silly and doesn't exist. So I like to amend those remarks a little bit here. I, I don't think it was right for me to say it doesn't exist. Because if rational fear exists, then by theory, a rational fear should exist, right? Yep. Like if one exists, the other one should exist. So I, I you know, yeah, as, so when we do personal stories, uh, they are, we don't tell each other what's going to happen ahead of time. So you're kind of getting our first reaction to them um, for good or for bad. And uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, ah, eh, that's, that's, there's probably a, a more complex way of looking at it. I always think of like the, um, the BET example, you know, you always hear like, kind of hack comedians in the 80s be like, BET, you know, why isn't there a white entertainment network? Right. It's like, well, because there's a lot of reasons why there isn't one. You know, society has closed the door on a lot of African-American entertainers and things like that. Like there's, you know, the the minority, there's a lot of reasons why. If you you take a little little deeper look at it and have some more time to think about it. So I, in my life, I'm not a big, uh, I don't acknowledge fear. That's just kind of how I, you know, I, I try really hard to like, if I'm afraid of something or even feel that I'm going to be afraid of something, I push it away because I just think fear can get in the way of a lot of things. But having said that though, there are things that I am afraid to do. I'm afraid to, you know, climb to the top of Empire State Building and dance around. So if, you know, I, there's no way you'd ever pay me enough money to do that. So if that is true, then in theory, a rational fear would also be true. So on that, on that end, I, I, uh, because I upset mad. So it was like, all right, you know, I, I thought about it. I talked to some people and I was like, oh, I had some time to kind of chew it over. I don't think I was particularly rude on this show, on the Patreon show. I really don't. But I don't think that it was the best opinion. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you compared it to the to real fear, like being in the Battle of uh, Normandy or something, yes. right? Which I think, I think you have to recognize that people with mental illness are just as incapacitated as people with, uh, with physical illness. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, of course. And mental illness has a lot to do with anxiety and fear. Yes. Um, so, so if, if, if you have limitations because of it, then it is real and it, it exists. Yes, I agree. Okay. I agree. So yeah, I was definitely, definitely w- w- was wrong there. Uh, and just wasn't the best, but uh, wasn't the best, um, I don't know. wasn't the best opinion, I guess I wasn't, I, and I, I guess the, I, what I said in the show is like, well, you know, I'm not, I try not to be concrete, try to be flexible, try to have the conversation. Um, but because it was so emotionally, it was so high, so high emotionally, we just weren't going to have the, the conversation really in that regard. But with stuff like that, I mean, I, I can say stupid shit sometimes and sometimes you just got to like just talk it out with me. <laughs> so I, cause I, you know, I can be like anyone can be a big idiot with stuff. So no, so I definitely think I, I, that wasn't probably the best opinion. So whatever that's worth. Okay. Tickets went on sale yesterday. They did. Matt doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, I we, we part of it is that. part of it is people don't have the context. Of no, it. but I think they do between like it came up in Kirk's show. That's true. You know, sure. and, you know. Otherwise, I probably would have just saved it for the Patreon because that's where people heard it. But yeah, it wasn't yeah. the Patreon, but it came up in the show. Sure. So, 
uh, have the conversation. So um, it was a tough one for me, definitely. As uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, didn't know if you would off the bat, but I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I and, and after the show, you know, I'd cleared it. I mean, I, like we, we were we were okay. We did, and you also explained to me too. As everything kind of like, oh, I thought about. It. I was like, Matt kind of went in detail about some of the stuff he's done to try to help to try to fix I did. to uh, not fix whatever fix the fear, no whatever, no try fix, to no, get no, past no, right it. absolutely. And it's like, no, I tried X, Y, and Z. Oh, I, I hadn't really. I didn't. A, I didn't know that. Yeah, and B, I hadn't really. I guess I, you know, once you have more time to kind of chew on it, you know, you talk to people and you kind of listen and you kind of like, all right, well, no, I fucking, you know, I think we, we go on this show, we say a lot of shit, you know, sometimes we're going to say shit that's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to probably going to happen again. But you know, I, but I think if you just kind of, st- I, I, I never want it to be a show. I never want to be a person where I'm like, oh, I said that once. Now I'm, I'm owning that forever. I don't think that's a great oh, no, way to no, live no, your no, life. No, no, you got to try to like, show, like, learn from people and things. Well, yeah, yeah. We don't, uh, I mean, you, you get do-overs all the time in real life and you shit on the show and it's a, it's a, it's a show. Like it's we're a, it's performing a, a bit. Thing. And, you know, exactly. You live long enough. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a lot, hopefully a lot more open-minded than I was when I was 18. Cause yeah. I was very much like, Oh, I feel it's this way. And it's the way it is. But well, no, there's a lot of different ways you can look at something. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, but the good news is, uh, I was wrong. The other good news is, uh, tickets went on set. Yeah. Yesterday. Right. For a live show. Yes. For the live show. Dover, New Hampshire, the strand. November 20th. 7 30 PM. Have we picked the time? Yeah. Okay. 7 30. That's yeah. a good time. So it gives us a little time to have, have dinner food before. Cause we have, not, it won't be, you won't have dinner there. They have, uh, Concession stands, think like a movie theater kind of thing. Popcorn, yeah, candy, um, and they have a full bar. Yeah, um, but they don't have. You won't be getting your meal there. But you're not going to drink that. I'll drink. I'm not going to drink at the show. No, I don't drink. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink at live shows where I know I'm going to go you on stage. Don't. <laughs> I don't. Not when I know I'm going to go on stage. No, I do not. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so uh, you can get uh, tickets are twenty five dollars if you are not a patron and twenty dollars if you are. That we're gonna do twenty five twenty. Is that what we it's landed decided, on? Really. On the Patreon entry, yes. Right, so, cool. uh, so, uh, so, and uh, tickets you can go on sale uh, at our website. Yeah. So I'll post. We'll post it. We'll tweet it out. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be a part of our link tree, which is kind of the in our bio. We have a link. You just uh, click on that link, and it goes to every kind of asset that we own, digital asset that we own, like all of our social media, all the website, the store, all that stuff. It'll be in there. But then we'll tweet it out. We'll make sure that everybody everybody knows. Um, yeah. But one hundred eighty six uh, seats. We're gonna do this. Uh, people at the KMS live show thought that it was, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm skeptical. I know, I know if, if even, I think it at, at the beginning, I thought no doubt a hundred, but now I feel like no doubt, maybe one thirty, mm. one eighty six. I think is a straight, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think I, I'm feeling the show's more grown. Confident. I mean, the yeah. show's grown a lot. Yeah. So I feel more and more confident, but people are coming from Texas. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no. from Florida, but if you are considering going, you are going to go, you got a ticket. You're like, Hey, I want to make kind of a weekend of it or, you know, trying to figure out kind of the best way to go. Uh, you can reach out to Matt or myself. We live very close by. We yep. know all the hotels. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before, but the, uh, the Amtrak, the, uh, the down Easter runs from Boston to literally right Almost across the street or from the Portland, theater. if you're coming from Maine. Actually, Por- right. Maybe even further than Portland. Maybe it's Portland. Yeah, Boston. I think a little further than Portland. Yeah. Um, so you can, uh, but the only thing is, I don't know if it'll have trains running after the show's over. So you can certainly take a train there, but then but getting home stay. at night might might be harder. Yeah. Um, but it's a good way to do it. I've trained uh, both ways oh, from awesome. uh, Boston to back here. It's super easy. And yeah, it's great. So, um, but yeah, there are hotels. There are, um, you know, certainly there's a lot of restaurants. Everything you're going to need is right there. It's right there. And if so you like stay the days in right there, then you don't have to go anywhere. That hotel's a little, uh, <laughs> but there's better, there's better hotels a couple miles away, north, like two miles away. Yeah. Some nicer hotels, but you can certainly stay in that one. You, you wouldn't need to, to drive at all. Cause there's plenty of restaurants, plenty of stuff to do. There's a, there's a barcade right in town too. Yeah. Which I think we, me and you might hit on Friday night. Oh yeah. 
Um, so there's going to be a lot to do, hopefully, and it's going to be hopefully fun. And uh, we haven't picked our movie yet, but we have still thinking about it. A couple options. Yeah. Um, there was that. And then. Oh, then. So next week right. we have you guys getting a bonus show. Um, the great Ned Snark. Great Ned Snark. The legend uh, is uh, doing the um, he's picking his week. Yep. And I forget what year it is, but it's 80, it 86. Maybe 86. I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. So only a year. Yeah. Move this one. And uh, the, the um, two free shows. So the, the, the bonus one's going to be Amadeus. That'll be Monday. Yep. That's so. Uh, and then Saturday, the typical show is going to be Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And then the Patreon is the mean season. And the Patreon for this week, tomorrow, is uh, a Secret of My Success. Yeah. The Fox movie. So um, so a lot, of, a lot of shows coming up. The live show. Um, get your tickets now, I guess. Because I guess, yeah. I went on so sale yesterday. Potentially. <laughs> hopefully. Probably, maybe. Hopefully. That'd be nice. We'll I, think, take- I think it will. I'm going to say probably. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you were more doubtful back in the day. I was. Yeah. The show's growing quite a bit. Show, since, yeah, since, it really has. I think it's yeah. grown like 40% since. Might even be more like, than that. Like I'm looking at the numbers yeah. for like this week and it's even kind of bigger than the last couple. So I was very, very, very skeptical when we signed the papers. I was yeah. like, there's no, I'm like, it's, you know, you, the good news is the, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't, a, I was more just like, I don't want to be like, have like, you know, 40 people that just be embarrassed. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but uh, right. I think we'll, I think we're going to sell out. I do. I do. I'm going to stick with that. I hope we'll so. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Or at least I mean, it'd be close. Maybe that would be, I, well with 180 people in that room with us, that would be, that's, that'd be pretty badass. That'd, that'd be, be awesome. a lot of fun. That'd yeah. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Really a lot of fun. Um, we have, we have some fun ideas we're kicking around. Yep. We haven't picked our movie yet. Shawshank Redemption is in the driver's seat. What was the other one that came up? Uh, it's a really good option too. I don't know. But yeah. Oh, it was a uh, res dogs. It was Reservoir dogs. Right. What would you, oh yeah. So what was your take? We hadn't talked about this yet. What, what did you think about? I think I, I feel like we've done a lot of Tarantino. I know. I think Reservoir dogs makes a better one for the live show for us to talk about, but we've done a lot of Tarantino. I think they both have their drawbacks. The, the super drama of the, of, I love Shawshank. Well, I can't even say that, but, uh, no, the super, the, I, I do too. It's in my top. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, uh, the super drama, I think it's leads to a, a less energetic live show potentially. It's not as fun. It's not a fun movie. It's a dark movie. Whereas You're Reservoir Dogs. So is, you'd prefer Reservoir Dogs over Shawshank. Yes, but the problem is the Tarantino factor, which I, it's like, come on. But we can always talk about Tarantino all day. That's true. And, then, but we, and we might never hit it, right? So both movies have had very, you almost have to be, we almost have to cherry pick it. Yeah. Like both movies, unless you just get lucky, like we did that one time at the office space, we're just like the stars aligned. Like I kind of wish it was Die Hard, but we've already done it. I don't, I, yeah, but I'd rather do a movie that we're not gonna, that didn't make a lot of money though. Because we're going to run into Die Hard. That's true. We're not going to run into Reservoir Dogs. We're not, unless we just get super lucky. We're not going to run into, uh, What's the other one? Um, oh, Shawshank. Shawshank. They both made under $20 million. Or do something that's a little bit, that's still kind of along those lines, but maybe 1978 or 79. That's the other thing. Yeah, I think it gets so old. I guess, yeah. People maybe people wouldn't, wouldn't see it. it. No. Yeah. Plus, it's harder for us to talk about those older movies because we don't have a lot of context beforehand. <sighs> like, true. we know Tarantino's whole career. We know that's Frank Darabont's whole that's career. True. I don't know some of these older guys. And, that's and, true. Yeah. I, I think... Um, all right, so Shawshank and Reservoir Dogs. Or, so you're leaning more Reservoir Dogs. I, I, I'm willing to go with either of those two. If those are options. I, I'd like to have better options. So I'd like, I'd like it if people, I'd like right. it if we keep thinking about this. You guys have, yeah, throw us some ideas. But we're really gonna have to decide within the next week or so. We're really gonna have to decide here. I agree. Soon. I want, I want to have a decision in the next week. Ugh. We can't do a poll. We just have to, we just have to decide. I don't like that either. Someone said Clerks. I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do it either. Although, can, will we run into a Kevin Smith? Maybe uh, Chase. Oh, we'll run, into, we'll run into Kevin Smith movies for sure. But we will. Okay. It won't be. It won't. 
be quirks this year unless someone picked it. But I, so. I just don't want to do it. There's just not enough there. You know, you want to talk about actors' careers and stuff yeah. like that. Just, everyone there, for the most part, had such a small, because it was such a low budget movie. It was such a small film. Oh, yeah, because no Affleck there. Who was, yeah. who was in? Oh, maybe uh, it was um, Lee, right? Lee's in there. Um, no, I don't think he is. He's not even no. in, He's not in there? He's not. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah, they're all no names, I guess. Then. I know. Except for. Except Smith. for Kevin Smith. Yeah. So I, I, we're not going to do cards. Maybe so. that won't work. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to talk with the weapon. Yeah, I think so. We can. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Um, leave the weapon. I, uh, the question for me is whether I like this more or less than Die Hard. I like it a little bit more, I think. No. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Oh, I, no. I love Lethal Weapon. I love this movie. This doesn't hold up. This, this doesn't movie. hold up. Oh, it holds up for no, me. It right? yeah, no. Yeah. What do you mean it doesn't hold up? So it, it doesn't. So I'm going to give this a B. Oh, this is a A minus A. A? Yeah. I'm, I'm probably alone on this island here. That's all right. Um, so, and it's not the movie's fault. I feel this has a- animal house syndrome. We covered Animal House uh, back uh, when we did 1978 ago, yeah. episodes mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago. And I'm like, oh, I really respect this movie because it was so innovative. It was so interesting. But the same token, it's like, this has just been done to death. Yeah. And like, if you read Roger Ebert's review of Booth Weapon, mm-hmm. he says, you will not believe the wild surprise at the end, which I'm guessing is Gary Busey. Yeah, their fight. Their fight. Yeah, like not, but I think the very end, like where he grabs the gun and tries to shoot you think it was that, not just not the fight? You think it was just the very, very well, The fight end? alone is stupid. Like, that's just not going to happen. Oh, no, I think that's good. Nah, no, you're stupid. right. It wouldn't happen. It's just, but, it's just too stupid. But the final stupid. boss thing is, uh, that's very, that's, that's, yeah. that's, a, a, that's a good concept. And Busey's good in the film. Very good. Very borderline great in the film. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think, I don't think, whatever it is, the whole thing is, is a surprise. But like, if you watch this in 2021, there's nothing surprising about it. Oh, no, it. I agree. But that's not the movie's fault. No. But it does make it, so I mean, I can only review the movie I watched, you know, and I'm, only, I'm watching it in 2021. When I watched this movie in 1988, I loved this movie. Yes. Um, and Gibson and Glover are great. We're going to talk about all the great things it does. But if you watch this movie in 2021, you have someone who's never seen this movie, who like alien, yeah. come sit down and watch this with you. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to be wildly impressed. I don't know, because now you're talking about an alien that has the last you know, 30 years of history. Right. If they, if they so maybe were, not alien, maybe right. Maybe say, uh, I mean, I agree. I agree. Buddy Cop has been done a million times now, but that that but then. It was, but then it was different. That I know. A, that, this is like. This but you is, didn't like Animal House though. You're like, oh, all this shit's been done already. This is exactly what you said about Animal House. You were harder Animal House than I was. I know. I hate it. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was, I just didn't think, it didn't find it funny. It just didn't make me laugh, which I was hoping it would. People say it's like one of the best comedies ever and it, it didn't make me laugh. That sucks. That's shitty for a comedy. Plus I didn't like the act. I, didn't, I know you like, uh, who's the main character guy that uh, become, um, who's in Fletch later on. And that, oh, that Tim Madison. Right. You like that guy a lot, the poor man's Chevy Chase or whatever. But, but uh, uh, yeah. I, oh, and Belushi, I didn't like either in that movie. I just thought he was <laughs> fucking dumb. Um, I don't like Belushi anyway. That's a, that's a I, I just don't thing. think. I I don't know what it is. I think it's because I I was the next. We were the next generation after that. No, it was it was old for us. Yeah, like, it was never like new for us. Right. Um. Like, but that generation beforehand, you know, baby boomers. They still like if you read like a baby boomer sports columnist, they'll still reference animals to prove how cool they are. Yeah, it's so annoying. But you can just tell though at one point that left a real imprint on their on their mind because it was so revolutionary. This movie was is incredibly revolutionary. Yes, and Donner and Gibson and Glover are doing some really interesting creative stuff um, for the time. But unfortunately, now it's just it's just been like it's just it just feel it doesn't it it doesn't feel as it, there's nothing exciting about it. It feels just like an old shoe, and you're like, oh, "All right, like it's a it's a comfortable shoe, and some good features on that shoe." But at the end of the day, it's like oh, there's well, nothing exciting. Do, you, about do it. you have an example of one that's more current that does this genre better than Lethal Weapon did? 
It's a good question. I I, I don't think the buddy really cop of- genre has been done to death now. So like, I, I mean, I, I'm but, also probably not going to run out and go watch a buddy cop movie. Yeah, I mean, either normally. Does that genre really even exist? No, they're more uh, they're more comedies now. I mean, it happened with Weapon. Like, Lethal Weapon, by the time you get to Lethal Weapon 4, it's just a comedy. It is. Like, it's... So even, like, Lethal Weapon changed as it went on. It's like, all right, well, what we're doing has been done to death. Let's just have more fun with it and just have a fun shoot. Right. Um, Which is what they just kept escalating. The comedy kept escalating. I mean, they added in Joe Pesci. They added in Chris Rock. I know. So obviously, they're like, oh, this is just... Joe Pesci character is, like, one of the worst. I I fucking hate him. Like, Chris Rock in this movie, like, this movie is, at times, incredibly serious. I mean, the scene with Mel Gibson... At home, working at a picture of his uh, wife with the gun, is one of the, like the better dramatic scenes you'll see is in any action. Phenomenal movie. in that scene. He He's is really phenomenal. good. Phenomenal. You believe him the entire way. You, you really see the him. struggle. You see it almost happen. I mean, he he's just crying. He's, but he's like, he's it's not phenomenal. too much. No, is it's he, really well done. Mel Gibson, and that's that's. You, I'm sure we'll talk about this more. Later, but that's the thing: is the acting in this, the cast in this is, is so good between him and Glover and um, Busey. It's like they they are so good in this movie. They do such a good job. Yeah, especially, especially, I think Gibson is, I, mean, Gibson I, think is Gibson's like, is, I love Glover too, though. He's good here. I think he gets better as it goes, as the series goes along in a way. I think Gibson's better. I think well, he, Gibson is like head and shoulders better here than everybody here. Uh, it's almost uh, like, like, well, yeah, he has more to do though. It's almost He's, like Mike Trout playing AAA a little bit. He has a way more complex character. You've got, oh, cause, cause right. Murtaugh is just, he's a family man and right. he's too old for the shit. Yeah. And you know, uh, but, uh, right. but like, oh, he's all over. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, that's the thing about Gibson. He can, he, he's kind of all over the place, a complete mess until he needs to kick it in. And right. then he's a, and then he's a, but he's a good enough actor where you believe that you do. You it's do. not like, oh, he's still crazy. Like, I don't really, I don't get how he would get yeah. here. You totally buy. Like, absolutely. Right. So Mel Gibson has never been nominated for an acting Oscar. That is absolute bullshit. That crazy? That's a fucking tragedy. Have they always hated him in Hollywood? I know in the last, you know, 15 years they have. Well, there's always been rumors um, since, bef- since like 1990 uh, about him uh, not liking minorities or ethnic groups or Jewish people or what have you. There's always been this weird, and maybe because he had like more conservative political leanings too. Yep. Um, but there's always been this weird undercurrent of anti Mel Gibson stuff out there, and uh, it was just kind of more in the shadows. Um, but yeah, he, he's been nominated for two. Act- he so he having said that, we should say he was actually nominated for three Oscars. Yeah. Uh, two for directing, oh, Braveheart, and then one, one for producing. What's the other Braveheart. one? Oh, is it uh, Apocalypto? Uh, no, it's no, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Oh yeah, I forgot about Hacksaw that. Ridge. I actually like that movie. I hate uh, never the, seen it. the main character there, Andrew Garfield? Uh, Andrew Garfield. Do not like him, except for, of course, in The Social Network. He's great there. But but in everything else I've seen, I, yeah, Spider-Man, Hacksaw I hate Ridge. Him. Good movie. I haven't seen it. Um, he was nominated for, uh, as, a, um, as a director. Yeah. He also was nominated for Best Picture, but he was not a producer on that film. He only directed it. So you're nominated for three. So two for, two for directing. What was the third? No, uh, oh, producing. So directing oh, okay. and producing Braveheart. I see. Uh, and then... Directing for Hexo Ridge. Right. He deserves it more. I mean, he's he's super talented. But he's never been nom- he's been nominated for two acting Golden Golden Globes. But he's never been nominated for one of them was for uh, What Women Want. Oh yeah, it's a comedy genre. I, 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 and then the other one was for Ransom, which he's very good in. Very good in Ransom. Um, and he's fantastic in this. Like his eyes are like wild, yeah. and like you buy it. it oh yeah, it doesn't seem like too much. The script is at times ridiculous. The script doesn't, the script's the weakest part of this movie. I know Shane Black was lauded for it. I, I, and I understand it was very innovative. So I'm not trying to make it. It's very good. I love the dialogue. I, think, I love the relationship building. I, that's right. The dialogue relationship building are incredible. Yeah. Great stuff. Riggs and Murtaugh, which luckily this Donner figured it out. 
and added stuff in with them yeah. as the shot shooting along yeah. and then made him in lethal weapon two, three, and four. It's all about those guys. It, it really. I know they have some Renee, whatever, but right. like, it's really about it is. Riggs and Murtaugh, really these two guys that love each other. Yep. And, and that, that's great. And, and it's, and he's believable because Glover is so warm. Uh, and he gets, I think he gets more charismatic as the series goes on. Yeah. And then Gibson is, Gibson just chills out, but he, but he's Mel Gibson. He's a great actor. So it's just fun to watch. But the, uh, but the actual like script to, to me is like I said, you have this weird fight and I know it's, it's just him and Busey like, in front of all those people. It, it just seems just stupid. It probably is not going to happen in real life, but I did. I, I was fi- I'm fine with it. It didn't bother. It doesn't, doesn't feel like it's that far out of place. I mean, people fight, people just, fight sometimes. It felt weird. Just because he's a cop. And well, just because there's like 9,000 cops just standing there staring at him. Meanwhile, this guy has killed police officers. This guy true, has done yeah. all this shit. Let's just and take him like in. And like watching him like fight. Mel- it's like, that. Just, it just seems insane. Yeah. It just doesn't, it seems like a fever dream. It would actually be more realistic if none of the other cops were there and it was just Glover. Because you can see Glover would be like, okay, go fine, go do oh, it. Oh, then, yeah. then I'm on board. Right. I totally buy that. I agree too. But the fact you have like the whole, you have half of Los Angeles watching this happen. You're like, what is, this is stupid. Yeah. Um, oh, I completely agree. If it was just Glover, Glover would like, go, go get him. I wonder why Don, I wonder why they did that. Donna should have known. Donna should have thought that. Maybe because it's less risk for Riggs, but why wouldn't we want the risk there? Of He could have, he could have gotten killed. Uh, why wouldn't we want that risk? I don't there? know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get that it. That is a little strange. I agree. I also don't buy Busey going to that house. Like Busey was got the fuck out of town. They that, were very smart businessmen. Yeah. So and all so of a sudden, it's, everything's this emotional reaction. It doesn't yeah. seem real. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like, when you really kind of even spend even a half second looking at like why the characters are doing what they're doing, besides the Riggs and Murtaugh characters, it just doesn't make any sense. And, the, and there's other elements of the script too, like where you have the, the uh, psychiatrist, who I know she's in all the movies. I know I've, I remembered her more, of course, and so I was like, oh, is she really only in this movie for like she's in two like the, very short, short scenes? Yeah, she's in the first act. They actually yeah. kind of make her, the way she's shot, it seems like someone that should be in the movie quite a bit more. Yeah. Maybe some stuff was cut out. Yeah. But after the at the late, you know, early second act, she's gone. Completely gone. And, it, and Gibson completely becomes uh, Murtaugh's problem. Yep. And, but like, why even have that? I think she's supposed to be a romantic interest. It just fell apart. Like what happened? I now? wonder if Donner was like, are we going to believe that this character, this Mel Gibson, who we know is actually crazy? Like, are we going to believe that without having something to support it? It's so, some weird line. Is, she's like, she's like, oh, I think something's really bothering him. It's like, you know, she, his fucking wife <laughs> died. She's like, like, she's almost like, she's like, you know, I hope we can get to the bottom of this. It's like, I think I figured it out. She was married for like 11 years and she died in a car wreck. That fucking sucks. That sucks. Like, he's alone and he's really depressed. Like, this isn't like rocket science. Yeah. He's the worst therapist in the world. What's happening? Well, she almost weird. walked into the men's room. So stuff like that is just like, this is the dumb movie. Actually, that's the other part too. Is it comedic? Because when she w- almost walks into the bathroom, that's a little like- Doesn't know what it wants to be a little bit. Um, but then like I say, still all the stuff sorry. with the Riggs and Murtaugh, like I just love the stuff where he goes to Murtaugh's house and yeah. just kind of hangs out with the family. Yeah. And I know they actually blow that up because it was such a good scene. They use a lot more of that in mm. the sequels because they know, oh. oh, no, this is like- Well, this is the grounding of the movie. Yeah. And it's also just like a fun fam. It's just a fun setting. It's a right. fun group of people to be around. It's a fun to watch that dynamic. Yeah. I don't know if nowadays in 2021, if they would have the daughter- making eyeballs at Mel Gibson. Like well, that? she's older. Um, uh, I don't think she was playing. A, I don't know how old she was in this, but uh, she, in real life, she's not that much younger than Mel Gibson. She's only three or four years younger. He's 31. She's 27 here. Yeah, but she's not playing 27. Do you think she's playing teenager though? I thought she was playing a teenager. I was thinking I maybe like 16 early 20s. or 18. Oh no. Oh, I think I've thought that I've always thought that she was an adult, but maybe not. Oh, all right. Yeah. I guess it probably wouldn't. It just happen. didn't feel. Well, like, he didn't do anything wrong. I know. Well, he kind of though. He doesn't bad. Uh, I guess he, he teeters the line. 
between weird and creepy now a little bit now? I think he's just kind to her. I think so too. And he's, but he's kind to the entire family. He's kind to Murtaugh's wife. Yes, right. I mean, he's just. Right. He's, he really respects he's super their family. Gent- right. Super gentle with them. No, and, and I'm kind of, I'm definitely like, you know, really nitpicking there. Yeah. But, um, but no, but I, just, but I do love the fan. And I do love the fact that, you know, Donner, cause Donner's had a fun shoot here. Um, and, uh, Joel Silver was the producer here. The reason I bring him up is he's very involved with this film. He also produced Die Hard, by the way. Mm, so yeah. how about that for action producers? Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Same um, person did the score too. Uh, that Cayman guy. Cayman. Yes, he did. You're right. Um, and he, the two of them were like, Hey, let's have, you know, Donner had the problems. We talked about a little bit with Superman where that was a disaster. So, uh, cause he had fights with the producers. So he was like, let's have a fun shoot. And because of that, those four movies, they have a real, um, it's a real, a real consistency. The whole family comes back. Um, even like the therapist comes back. Yeah. Like a lot of the people who were in the first one that live come back for the, for the, for the sequels because it's just a cool, fun shoot to be on. It is. And I liked how Donner said he knew their, the chemistry between Mel Gibson and Danny Glover was instant. They did a two hour read through the, through the script. And he's like, I, I, I know what I've got here. Like, this and this amazing. is before they were really anything. Glover had been in the color purple. Yeah. It was like, you know, it isn't really, he's not, was no Oscar nominee. I mean, tons of Oscars for that movie, but, right, uh, but not him. He's not never him. nominated either, by the way. Um, but he's good. And from what I remember, he's good in the color purple. I haven't seen it forever. Man, I was like a kid when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I mean, you know, it's, I, you know, but that's like, he's almost like a, you know, he's not a, and no, he's, by any means. No, he's not. And then Mel Gibson, yeah, he was in Mad Max, so he's certainly. But other than that, he hadn't done a ton. Not really. He had the, did the bounty, but that had nothing, to, really nothing to do with him. That was right. like Anthony Hopkins and you know, Andy Ruiz in that too. Yeah, that huge cast. cast. Is wild. Huge cast. Um, but he did right, a couple. Been, Year of Living, Living Dangerously. Yep. He did a couple. He did a couple, but nothing. But, yeah, but he this is when up. he became. This is when he got. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mad Max was a big deal, but this is when he became. Was it a big deal here though? It well, the sequels were right. Yeah. So well, so I. Always forget the or was it the Road Warrior was number one and then Mad Max and then Thunderdome. I forget, uh, Thunderdome. I forget. My dad liked those movies. I haven't seen. I think forever. they re. I thought they sort of remade one. There's sort, there's something weird about those yeah. movies. Uh, and now I can't. The first two I don't. I interchange in my head. One Road Warrior and Mad Max. I don't but really. He, get he them. was a name. I guess so. But he's Australian. But that's also it's Australia. Thunderdome right. was different. But I, isn't that after this? It's the one with Tina Turner. No, it's not after this. I don't think. That's before this? We don't yeah. need another hero. I'm, I'm really positive. Because this is the moment when it, he stopped being, Walker. like his whole career just like blew up after this. Like, Walker. I remember that movie. So I saw it a billion times on HBO as a kid. Uh, two men enter, one man leave. That's the. You like that? Yeah, I love saying that. <laughs> Good. I'm trying to find his, Um, I'm looking for his uh, filmography here. Let me see. Yeah, I, want, I want to see what, what happens after. So he does look at the weapon. Beyond, Beyond the number was 85. Okay. Uh, so he does look at right. 87. Then he does the Hero Sunrise, with the weapon two. How about that one? Bird on a Wire, Air America, and Hamlet. So he's like, all right, well, maybe yeah. he's done. And then he does Forever Young, and you're like, oh, this guy yeah. is it. With the weapon three, he does Man Without a Face. Interesting one. Which he directed. But then he does Maverick, Braveheart, Ransom. Um, and then he does like, you know, he kind of fall, he does conspiracy theory and, but like, but you can see yeah. that at that point, he's a major superstar. Yeah, he, he, yeah, um, but like, this was really the beginning of him going from a star to a, uh, you know, a, a big star and maybe a superstar in like say, those early nineties. Cause I mean, I mean, you know, Shaquille Sunrise made 105 million. Oh, that's pretty big. So he did what he did two movies with, uh, oh, well, no, I'm he, sorry. I thought he did with, um, what's her name with, um, uh, I can picture her, the blonde woman. Michelle um, Pfeiffer? No, I thought, oh, not Tequila. Tequila Center is Mel Pfeiffer. Bird, who's Bird on a Wire with? That's uh, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Did he do a second one with Goldie Hawn? I don't think so. I thought he did, but maybe not. Um, 
And then he did Air America with Robert Downey Jr. Right. Who, who's really one of his last advocates in Hollywood. Well, I shouldn't say that because he keeps getting chances. His career is so weird now. Um, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jodie Foster famously, you know, she worked with him on Maverick. Maverick, yeah. So they're really good friends still. And she uh, also casted him in that, was it the Beaver movie? Where That's actually an interesting one. I Have haven't you seen, seen it? it. No, Jodie Foster directed that. Yeah. Um, and um, those two really stick up for him all the time. And then he gets chances uh, like he did, like, what's it, Daddy Daycare 2 or something like that? One of those weird movies. Daddy's one. Home 2 or something. Uh, uh, Will Ferrell, we would have made money. And then he does things like Hacksaw Ridge. But then, like, then he ends up, he's now he's in, like, the weird. Well, he's doing, he did, like, one or two Netflix movies. Yeah, he's in, like, that Bruce seen. Willis zone of, like, almost, like, straight uh, to. Maybe no, no, not no, as bad. Nowhere near as but bad. He did, he, I mean, he was just, Willis is doing, like, a million movies a year, and they're all these, like, $5 million budgets. No, because he just did, like, movie where he was Santa Claus, right? He's, like, Fat Man. He played Santa. He played, like, did a bad, like, evil Santa or something like that. I don't remember. The last 10 years have not treated him. That's when, kind of, the he, he got pulled over DUI well, and all right. that shit happened, I think, right, right around like, also, 2010 or something. You know, at the very least, was mental abuse, if not physical abuse, with his I girlfriend know. at the time. Yeah. He, his girlfriend and uh, his child, I believe, that woman got a restraining order against him. Yeah. So, I mean, he's said a number of times he's gotten into rehab for drinking. And uh, yeah. he's right around 2007, 8, 9. Well, I guess 9, 10, 11 is when it really fell apart for it him. Did. He did. Was it? I always mispronounce it. Acapulco. Uh, it's now I can't pronounce it. It's uh, <laughs> whatever the hell it is. I've right. never seen it. It's not Alcapulco. Uh, it's who's it? Moss uh, Dudley loves Apocalyptico. Right? Apocalypto or Apocalyptico? Apocalyptico yeah. Like that. Moss Dudley loves that movie. Yeah, I have not seen that one. Came out in 2006. So, and then after that, it was a break between movies for him. And you wonder if was he just going through some personal shit? I think so. I think so too. Well, he had a long because then it all fell apart. He had a wife for for a year, 25, oh, yeah. 30 years or something, and that ended. And then yeah. You know, and then, and then he, he kind of had it. It got all fucked up. Yeah, for him. yeah. And then, yeah, he has, but it's just weird that like you're like, all right, he does Hacksaw Ridge. Here we go. Mel Gibson's back because he's still a handsome guy. He is. He's still. He's a very bright guy. I know he has some opinions that are, are not not good, or or was drunk and said fucked up shit. It's not great. Uh, but you know, you're thinking like, all right, you know, he's he's back now. You know, n- nominated for best director. It's a pretty big deal. Big deal. But then he just vanishes again, and you're yeah. like, oh, what the fuck happened? He should do more directing. I mean, I know it takes its toll. It's probably harder than doing than just being an actor in a film. But he's a good director. But he was a good actor. He, but yeah, but now Great he's actor. now he's sixty five. I mean, how much he could do some stuff, but he's not going to be the leading man in anything but an art film at this point. So what, what's he going to do? Uh, oh, you probably a leading man. Yeah, he could be. Uh, he could do supporting work. Absolutely, he could. But I mean, so maybe he should do some of that. But he should also direct. See, he's this is the difference between him and Bruce Willis. Where Bruce Willis, we talked about him in the movie The Die Hard, yep. his career fell apart because he really, at the end of the day, was not a great actor. Like, once he's not a tough guy anymore, he's not a lot. Well, that's not him. true. He's, he's a not good a actor. great actor. He's good. Uh, he's very, he's great Sixth in Pulp Sense? Fiction. He's not, he's good in. Really? He's good in Sixth Sense. Ah. Uh, he's not a great actor. I think that that's revisionist. I think you really liked him in Sixth Sense. I love, he, I, I love that he's in Sixth Sense. Haley Joel Osment, and Tony Collette are running circles well, but oh, I don't know about but that. They're, but they're both giving amazing performances. They are. Like they are. Great, they are, like they are, they are, great performances. Yeah. No, Bruce Willis is a very- was Okay, a, Mel Gibson is a better actor yeah, than Bruce Willis. Yeah, and I think Willis. because I think his career has more, has more legs. That's like, true. You know, obviously, extreme example, like Steven Seagal or Paul Newman. Like, once you're not tough anymore, there's nothing left. Right. But if you're Paul Newman, you can act literally until, you know, you, until the, until you're, you're done. Bed, and yeah. and you, can, you can do, you know. Right. And Mel Gibson, not as great of an actor as Paul Newman. I'm not trying to say that, but he's- for the action stars of the 80s, he's probably the best actor. Oh, he absolutely is the much best. Better no, he is a great, much better. He is know, a great dramatic and Stallone actor. Stallone had his moments too. Stallone at times could be a great actor, but 
Mel Gibson is, is probably the best actor in that group. Well, yeah. I mean, in the right role, Stallone is a great actor. He's right. not, he, but. Right. Very uh, narrow, Gibson, right, a yes. more narrow band where Mel Gibson, I think, has more range. Absolutely yeah, more range. Yeah. I so, mean, even if you look at something like Man Without a Fit, I mean, these are all, like, he's yeah. taking chances on movies and he does a good job in them. So, yeah. So, like, you know, that, that he, he, he hasn't had, you know, his, say, from 50 on, really, or whatever, 55 on. Right. His career has been awful. Or it was well, bad. No, I mean, the, the, I guess got out, the no, Ridge. I mean, how beaver, much was the Ridge, though, I mean? I know, right. Beyond that, I mean, no, there's, there's a there. few. There's a few. There are a few. Like, uh, since, like since the well, like I said, so the Beaver is a, the Beaver is a good is a good movie. Yeah, but that didn't make any money. No, I'm not. That no, didn't it's get not, any no, critical no. acclaim. It, there, there's some people that are film people that really that do enjoy it. I probably yeah. should watch it. I'm yeah. not. But that, yeah, we'll never that, come. That, up, didn't, never that wasn't. That was a blip. No, I agree. I mean, there's but nothing. He's he's well, ex- what's, okay. What's he done? All right, we'll go through it. I mean, 2010, a movie called Edge of Darkness. That was right around when it all fell apart, though. So I hadn't really. That's an interesting one, actually. Martin Campbell liked it, but that shouldn't count. The Beaver was the first one he did after yeah. the, the, the scandal, or not scandal, but after he said stupid shit and got caught for it. Uh, Get the Gringo was next. Don't know it. Um, and then Machete Kills. I think he might have had a smaller role in that. That oh, was the, the, um, the right. The who's the guy who was in like all the Tarantino movies? Movie, but yeah. it was a Danny Trejo. Yeah, and, Danny Trejo yeah. movies. Um, and he's in um, Expendables Three, uh, nah. Blood Father, uh, directs Hacksaw Ridge in 2016. Yeah, and he's in Daddy's Home Two, which actually made a lot of money. Don't know. It. Um, and he's in like Dragged Across Concrete, Professor and the Madman with Sean Penn. That's the one that's on Netflix, mm. which I haven't seen. I've heard other people tell me it's good, but I have a like low. I mean, Sean Penn, I, you're right. So, I mean, it is better than Bruce Willis straight to video. But, but it's what's Sean Penn doing either. But then he has Force of Nature and this movie called Fat Man. Force of Nature is supposedly interesting. Fat Man is, follows an unorthodox Santa Claus who must fight off an assassin sent by a vengeful naughty kid. Okay, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Walton Goggins is in it. We like him. Oh, um, yeah. He's a friend of the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, but it's just, but I mean. Mid-season but, uh, two I mean, of VPs, uh, vice principals right now. Really too. good, right? Oh, I fucking love it. But um, it did, his career fell apart. I mean, it did. No it's not great. It. Yeah. Because you know, so if, like, if we're talking even two or three good movies in the last decade, that's not enough. No. Not for Mel Gibson. And it just, it just, I mean, obviously a lot of, most of it, all of it was self-inflicted, but it's still, it's still like, oh, you watch the movie. Like, oh, I was watching the movie. I was like, I was, I was like, oh, I kind of sucks. Like this guy's so talented. I know. And he's believable as an action star. I believe he's a tough guy, but I believe him in the dramatic parts too. Like not many guys can pull that off. Behringer. Behringer. Yeah, but Gibson's better than Behringer. He Gibson's is. a lot more um, he is. charismatic. He is. But it's kind of that same thing. Like he could do both. And Behringer's career fell apart way before that. I know. I mean, he, his career fell. I mean, yeah. and Mel Gibson. I mean, Mel Gibson was a top. Was a was a one of the biggest stars of Hollywood. Behringer oh, never quite was. was that. No, he was not. Um, you know, I'm just thinking pure talent. Like he can be the tough guy. He can be the dramatic guy. Yeah. Really oh, true. But like, yeah, Tom Behringer was like a poor man's Mel Gibson. Um, uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Market corrected by Mel Gibson. I I don't even know that's the case. I think they're two different markets. Probably. Yeah. One's like you know uh, Ruth Chris. Yeah, there is you know. <laughs> not to be shitty, but you know, oh no, let's let's not. We we don't. I don't. I don't want to call Tom Berger out. We don't. But it's not. Yeah, we don't mess yeah. with Tom Berger. We don't have to. We don't have no, to we do Tom Berger. Yeah, another friend of the show. <laughs> uh, right. But but like in 1995, like Mel Gibson might have been the biggest, one of the biggest movie stars. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you're he, just a huge. huge yeah, huge I mean, star. right after Braveheart, it was like there. Right, who, Braveheart, who Ransom, bigger? and then he'd already done the Lethal Weapon movie. Yeah. It was like right, he was unstoppable. The Maverick came out in 95, yeah. and they like, yeah, I mean, just just you know, while he's successful and. Uh, you know, where Danny Glover has had kind of the slow and steadier career. He's in Royal Tenenbaums, a small role. He, you know, he pops up uh, in, st- in stuff here and there, but then, but then he's always good. It's always, it's always good. consistent. Um, I wonder if he, had, he seems like a much happier guy than Mel Gibson in real life. I think so, yeah. Um, 
I'd rather be Danny Glover than Mel Gibson. Than yeah, probably. Life. Yeah, not quite as talented as Mel Gibson. No, but, but still talented. Nowhere, no, obviously nowhere near. And that's not a slam on Glover, especially yeah. here. Like, I just think Gibson's just so fantastic here. This is Richard Donner directed this. I think this is my fourth favorite Richard Donner movie. Right, because you like, is Superman number one for yes, you? Yes, by, by a mile. He also did The Omen, which is really good. Uh, you not even seen that? You have How never bad seen is that? Oh, you got to see that. Yeah, I do. That's, it's that's it's cool. I mean, that's my, that's it's probably pretty dated me. right now. I watched it in film school or in a uh, in, uh, film class in college. Gregory Peck, right? I think you're, yeah, that's yeah, it. I guess yep. that. Uh, no, that, that's a cool one. And then, um, of course, the Goonies, the Goonies, which we cover in the show. Uh, Scrooged. I put Scrooge ahead of this. I just think, I, my, this is, oh, look, look, Lethal Weapon is, I think Superman's the best movie ever did. Lethal Weapon is really probably second best movie he ever did. Yeah. Um, uh, because it was just so innovative. Like, you know, he really broke a lot of the molds, created a lot of the molds, excuse me, uh, that people would just rip off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're talking about people ripping off Die Hard when we did that episode. They did ripped off Lethal Weapon just as much. Right. And, um, but it's, but for me, if you're like, oh, Chris, what would I rather watch tonight? Oh, Scrooge in a heartbeat. Well, only cause, maybe because I haven't seen it for, I've not seen that since probably the nineties, but, uh, that is a great movie. I really, I really loved Scrooge. Oh, that's a tough choice. That's a tough choice. But you like you, this. You're I really do like this one. This is a A, a minus? minus. Yeah, this is a, a, a right, minus. Yeah. I might like this better than, than, um, Die Hard. You said you did. That's wild. I think so because of their relationship. The relationship is so good and Gibson is so believable and it's funny and heart wrenching and the action's good. The other thing is it moves really quick, but you don't feel like you don't understand what's going on. I mean, they just, it just keeps going. There's, there's stuff. The fucking torture scene is fucking iconic. It is. It's it's really good. It's really good. It's the only, see, (laughs) No, it's, 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 if you think about it too long, it's not, not great. So, okay, so torturing Danny Glover to try to get information. Yeah. Why not just, just bring out the girl to begin with? Why even go through, like... Well, because even the bad guys don't want to go all the way if they don't have to. Break. They kill girls all the time. This I movie guess. starts them killing girls. Like, they, you're more or less. They kill girls all the time. It's different. They got to get their hands dirty on this one. Oh, no, no, no. They do. It's done for dramatic effect. And it just, it just, it's weak. Like, you start with attacking the girl to get information. Why even bother with any of that stuff? Just for time reason? Well, but why, yeah, why torture Riggs? Because they need to draw out the drama. But then, why, I know, but why torture Riggs then? Because all you could do, just just get it from the girl and, right, yeah. Yep. You ah, shoot Riggs and you just get the girl and then, and, right. It's a, it's no question about it. So, like, it's like, eh, they, it's Shane Black. Oh, that's it, too picky. You're just being too picky. I don't think it is. I think it's a pretty, I mean, that's not, you have to admit it, that's not good writing there. I mean, I, it's a great scene. It's yeah. fun to watch, but that's not good writing. It's a great, it's very well performed by everyone. Glover, the girl, Busey, uh, the whole cast, everyone's doing it's well directed. It's yeah. exciting. Oh yeah. But if you think about it for half a second, like that's pretty stupid. It's dumb, man. I mean, I it's just know. dumb. I don't know. Oh, I'm not willing to say that. What do you want me to say? I'm not willing say to it's say dumb. that. It's, it's, it's written I poorly. don't think it's dumb. Well, j- it, you're saying like, a bad it's, guy not, it's, not do a, that. it's not an either or situation. I mean, it's probably not the most pristine writing ever, but I don't think it's like it's trashy not, writing. No, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's hack writing in that situation. I can't believe you're saying this about Because those guys, you, well, you frame those guys earlier in the film as, as efficient businessmen. They are. They have this ridiculous scene where no one hears this helicopter come by and it shoots you a guy. You can see it out. You can see it out over the But no the, one hears it. Helicopters are loud. So that's dumb. And, but they show these guys are almost, will, will go to any stretch. will do whatever it takes and they're incredibly efficient. Yes. Like almost, almost so remarkable. With, it's not believable. Uh, so then when it comes time to get the information they need, they just kind of just like, yeah, we'll just kind of torture no, these two right, guys and, for no and, reason. And Busey goes back to the house when he probably shouldn't have or wouldn't have. Yeah, like he's not going to just do that a revenge you know, thing. It's just like, oh, all right. Yeah, that, I, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's an action movie. People aren't buying tickets for action movie because they want a good plot. 
But I mean, that's why I don't go to movie. I want a good plot. I want, I want to have it make, make some sense. Now I will say the first time I saw this when I was a kid and I've, you know, I saw it in the nineties, it was still so innovative and so fresh. I could look past a lot of these things I'm bringing up. I'm only really noticing these things this time watching it sure. because like, all right, I'm just so done with buddy cop movies. Yeah. Uh, and it's not this movie's fault. No, it almost is movie's fault because it was so good at it. But uh, I'm just done with. So now I'm just like, all right, now I want to go actually sit and watch a good movie. And it's like, this doesn't really hit all, hit all the marks for me. A, a minus. Now I'm going to go with my B. All right. But so, solid B. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thumbs up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to enjoy it. it. If you haven't seen it, actually, I really recommend seeing it because it is, this movie should be in, taught in film classes. Like it's that, it's, 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 for me, it's almost like watching, this movie is almost like watching something from the 30s or 40s at this point for me because it's been done to death so much, but it's like, oh no, there's actually, it's kind of cool to well, see. Well, no, like TV shows too. It's not even just, not even just movies. It's like there are whole TV shows. That oh yeah. I mean, like, there was a whole genre. Yeah. Right. You're right. I'm like, you know, it was real. I, obviously buddy cop movies had existed, but this one was it's, the first one to really get it right. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, they were, I mean, there was, um, you know, a lot of times you maybe had an older cop, like in streets of San Francisco with Mike, uh, with Michael Douglas on TV in the seventies. You had I Spy, of course, you had like the black cop and the white cop. So it had, some of these things kind of had been done before, but it wasn't quite done with this energy and this action. This was so much, so much action in it. It really did change the game. Yep. And um, it was so of its time of the 80s too. Like, but it does feel like, for me, like I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this, this feels like I'm watching a relic. Yeah. Score- and Die Hard didn't feel that way to me. I could see that. I love this movie. Uh, I did want to say though, really innovative score too. They did a great job. I love how the Strat is is uh, Riggs and the saxophone, of course, is Murtaugh. Um, I, I I think the score is is really done. So well. Clapton, yeah, Clapton was on the score. So that's pretty wild. Clapton's right? doing the yeah, Clapton's doing the the Strat stuff. I mean, I know this wasn't Clapton for Riggs. Like, this, you know, Clapton isn't this isn't the high point of his career. You know, he hadn't done Tears in Heaven yet, and he. You know, he's obviously yeah. Seventies is more is more, his more peak, important, right? yeah. But for Clapton. still, to get Eric Clapton to do a- pretty badass. I mean, he's still a yeah. He would he would have been a world renowned, like very highly respected yeah. guitarist at the time. Yeah, I think that's cool. Oh, and, well, the sax player not didn't. It's because he's not a pop star, but uh, it's um, Sanborn, who is a phenomenal sax player. Has played with everybody, anybody, any pop star you could think of who's had a saxophone that wasn't the E Street Band. Sanborn's played so. He, equally as like impressive on his instrument. Well, more impressive actually. He's a better player than Clapton is. Uh, just didn't have that that pop crossover where, you know, he was fronting his own band or something. But no, it had like legit uh, really good musicians. It's a uh, great score. It. And it these, uh, you know, the, the different And it's so like you hear it as soon as you yeah. hear the saxophone, you're like, this is fucking lethal weapon. Like you or the strategy. Like, oh, this is yeah. lethal weapon. It's really iconic Super score. Identical. It's a great score. It definitely sets the mood really well. This movie does mood incredibly well. It does. Um uh, and that's from the top down. A lot of that is from Donner, director's really director's job to kind of create mood. Obviously, a score helps and great acting helps, but it's the director's job. And Donner's so good at that. Donner knows exactly what the audience wants. He, you know, everyone talks about, I mean, Scorsese or whatever. And, and look, Scorsese well, is great, obviously. He's you know, a better actor. He's a better director than Donner. Of course he is. Yeah. But, you know, Donner is that next tier. And I don't think he gets the respect he deserves because he made more popcorn you think movies. think he's better than De Palma? Oh, I did. Yes. You I, do. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Yes, I do. Cause the Palma was cold and, um, he had some really cool visuals. Yeah. But Donner's movies were better. That's a, that's a better copyright. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think Donner was better than De Palma. Absolutely. Right. And be, but yet De Palma get, well, not so much anymore, but back in the day when we were kids growing up, 
And when this movie was made, De Palma was a genius. Yes. And Donner was, oh, you know, oh, yeah, Richard Donner's good or whatever. But like, no, Richard Donner, like, there were, you know, you got Spielberg in a different class of his own. Yes. But beyond Spielberg, like, who made popcorn movies better than Donner? Probably nobody. I mean, even like Ridley Scott is doing stuff around this time. And it, they're, yeah, and we've gone through a bunch not, of these guys movies. Not, they don't, did no. not hold up. No. Uh, Donner's movies have held up better, yeah, except so some, for Superman. Some of like Scorsese or Tarantino, they're in the league of their own. Yep. Spielberg will be their own. Right. But that next tier, like you said De Palma. Um, you know, Coppola, I don't even count him. His career is so odd. I can't even put him in any argument because it's such a, such a bizarre career. Sure. His peaks were so high. Yeah. The valleys are so low. I mean, look at Jack. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like bang for your buck, go, go sit down and watch a good movie. Goonie, Superman, the Lethal Weapon series, uh, Scrooge, like... It's, they're all really enjoyable films. Yeah. And I, I actually, I, I like the entire Lethal Weapon series. Me too. They're, they're fun all, to watch. They're, they're all, all fun to watch. They're all good movies. Yes. Like, I, I, Lethal Weapon 2, I'll be excited to do it. Me too. We can talk about some of that, some of that drama with, uh, with Shane Black there. Um, but there's, like, there's some really, you know, those are good movies. They're all, and yes, they get lighter in tone, um, but they're still enjoyable. It's still, these characters are so, that's the really, I know I'm kind of knocking the script of the plot. The characters are so well written. You you enjoy going on more adventures with them. It's completely and fun that's a credit the to Black. Through. Right. So so I do have. To, I, this is not a weak script. There are moments in the script that are dumb. I'll say that. Well, he's. I mean, the Predator was like. I mean, he he's he's he hasn't done. This is probably his. This has got to be his best. Oh, thing. by yeah, far. I mean, he, well, he, he also did the Last Boy Scout, which is okay. He did what did he do? The Last Action Hero. I'm feeling that. Oh, which is horrible. Uh, but. Uh, Last Boy Scout, I'm feeling like that's not going to age well. I don't think so. I either. mean, I liked it as a kid when it came it's out. Okay. I was watching it all the it time. Good. It was fun because I always Ways and Lethal Weapon was way more. Oh yeah, way yeah, yeah, they're way better. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else with uh with Lethal Weapon? No. Yeah. Tonight, tonight, tonight is the uh, second song that we've covered off of Invisible Touch, but not Invisible Touch, um, not Land of Confusion. We did, what did we do? We did, um, I, f- I feel like, we, I'm, I'm kind of shocked you picked this song. Well, it was number three. I know, but I just feel like we've like, we've, done we've also the, done a, Paul, a Phil Collins song, excuse me. Yeah, right around the same time. And no, uh, in 84 was No Jacket Required. So we did something, oh, we did uh, Don't Lose My Number. We did right, into right. it right. So off no no jacket required. We did um, don't lose my number. Right, and then we did tonight tonight tonight, tonight and into deep with the songs. So we've this done. is tonight 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 and into deep from right. this album. Right. So this album has five number fives. Right. The five top fives. Right. Uh, this one hit number three. The only one that hit number one was Invisible Touch. I, I just thought you'd pick a different song. Well, it's, it was actually strangely difficult. Because, really? Yeah. In the yeah, if I when I looked at the chart on this one. Where do I, I mean, I can, I even, I printed out, um, here, let me, let me, uh, grab this. Let me, let me go through this a little bit because I, um, what did I do? I took a picture of like the top, I don't know, 10, I think. So quantum week show notes. Here we are. Cause what year we're in. It was nothing's going to stop us now. It's <laughs> like starship. Oh yeah, it's number one. And we it's like we well, just. Ta- I mean, yeah. ugh, there's not All much right. there. Lean on me, which we're gonna do for the fucking. Right. That's number two. So I okay. feel like we had to. Yeah. Um, I knew you were waiting for me is an interesting one. It's Aretha Franklin and George Michael, but I feel like I didn't want to hit Aretha and Franklin like this. Four is tonight. We're tonight, not gonna tonight. Too many changes of hair. Though. We will. We'll. We'll. We'll, right. we'll. We'll. Yeah. Um. Don't dream. It's over. We've done. 
Um, Come Go With Me by Expose. I listened to that song and I had no memory of it and it's not good. Uh, Sign of the Times, Prince, but we've done Prince. Mm. And then Midnight Blue by Lou Graham was number eight. Uh, that's what I have um, mm. taken a picture of and I didn't know that one either. So I was like, eh, this one makes sense. Plus, there are, there are a few things that I found were interesting. You, you do not like the song. Eh. I think it's a good song. I don't know. It's eh, not, not really. It's my third. Eh, it's a big drop off for me from Invisible Touch. And um, yeah, uh, I no, like we didn't like it. We did more. not like you did not like In Too Deep. Oh, we did, did not know. We, we kind of panned that one. I, I thought we thought you it was know, the weakest of the five. Album. I think it's pretty good. I think it's good. I like the Phil. I think, you know, I'm finding, I'm, I think I like the Phil Collins solo stuff. More. That's weird. Well, I, probably no jacket required is definitely. Oh, let me see. Let me, let me play in too deep here real quick. I know. I'm sorry. You guys. I know. I love you. But... Oh, no, this is a better song. I didn't mind this song. Oh, it's a better song. I like that a lot better than this. This is fine. This is a good song. Eh, it's okay. I mean, it's not uh, Don't Lose My Number. That's a great song. That's a great that song. That's a really great song. And there yeah. are a few great ones because you, you also have uh, uh, In the Air Tonight, I think, is on that album, too. No, no, that's obviously first Is that one. on the air? Yeah. That's so then, well, there are a few others on No There Jack are a few others. That's a really good album. And that's what we we did talk about. That this has felt like a kind of like a continuation it of does. that. It does. But then they have this song. It's like eight minutes long. I listen to Radio Edit, too. Well, yeah. Radio, so, Radio, Radio Edit is right. better. That is very funny that they have a, it's a, there's actually, there's a 12 and a half minute version. Then there's an eight and a half minute version on this album. A six and a half so, minute version. The video. Is a video, yep. which is super strange. The video sucks. It does. It's not good, but it's still strange. Like the, the bridge section is weird. Like there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And then right. The four, four minute and 30 which is the best version. version. Which is, yes. Cause you strip down all the bullshit. Right. And that's the problem with, so <laughs> Most people probably know Genesis is a very early 70s band with Peter Gabriel originally there as a singer and predominantly writing and keyboard player. And you had Phil Collins playing drums. And they were super talented then and they were super talented here. But when Peter Gabriel left, they got a little bit poppier, which is fine because I do like a lot of that pop stuff. Their stuff in the 70s was progressive. So they had these long suites, like big songs that some of them would be 12, 13, 14 minutes long. And I... I've talked about this before, Selling England by the Pound. That album is one of my favorites. I love it, even though it's um, super dense and there's a lot going on. It's really a beautiful, beautiful album. But they'll jump back into that sometimes and do these like 12-minute songs. It's actually funny how they write. Did you read any about uh, how they kind of get get do their albums together? Yeah, a little bit. I... So like they'll get together and they won't have any material. They won't right. bring any material, which I think is actually a cool thing because both you know, Phil Collins is a star at this point and uh, Mike and the mechanics, Mike Rutherford's got his like in the living years was in 19 that 84 as well. They both kind of did their own thing. And then, um, Tony, uh, what's his face? The, the, um, bass player, keyboard player, he, uh, Tony Banks, he, he was doing like scores and stuff too. So they're all kind right, of, right, right. so it was kind of cool that they're like, all right, f- you know, fresh slate when we get together. And then, so, What'll happen is they'll like just jam. So Phil Collins will will hit will will program a drum beat, and allow kind of Tony and uh, Mike to just kind of experiment over it. They'll record little snippets of it um, when they get like a groove that they think is good or a piece of you know structure that they think is good. And Phil will like mimic some weird, I don't know. He'll do like syllables. He'll scat over it or something. And they'll build it from there. They'll listen to it the next day and kind of take the parts that they like and start to put it together. I really, I think that's an interesting so, thing, but it also lends itself like, oh, we love all these things. Right. So now we're going to fit them all in this giant song. And I they also, do that here. I, so I read a little bit of the writing as well. And it seemed like Phil also would just like take breaks and write stuff. Like, but mm-hmm. I think for himself. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So like, 
that's weird. So like you're like you were doing this stuff with Genesis, yeah. right? But then you're also like on the side. He was I know at one point he was writing a score for a movie. Another point oh, he yeah, was he um which with I don't know Buster. Ever, what, did, what did he do for? He's yeah, a Buster, I think, I think he was Buster. Yeah. yeah, and then other times he's writing stuff for his solo stuff, and it's just like. Or if you have a good lick or you have a good lyric, like maybe throw, it, put it, throw it on this fucking shit. Yeah. You know, like what, what do you, you know, but I guess it might just, maybe that would just break the vibe they have where they, this collaborative thing. Yeah. Maybe there's like a lot of ego there too. I've been in bands before where it's like, Oh my, I want my song on the album or, Oh, I want my, you know what I mean? And, and so if they don't, if they just do it together, at least they're all sort of making decision at the same time. But I, I don't know if I've ever heard, I'm sure it's happened. I'm not a music historian. So I'm sure it does happen, but I haven't heard of too many times where, Someone is like basically like on a, on a smoke break writing their own stuff, their own stuff, which they intend on not using at all for Genesis. I got to say it is strange because it's not like the Phil Collins stuff are that is that far removed no. from what Genesis is doing at this time. It's very similar. It's stuff. very similar. So, I mean, they're, they're not the prog band anymore. And it tells me too that I wonder if Phil Collins had more influence in that story. I got, I, I'm always like, I never, I don't know because anything. he did, he only wrote the lyrics on maybe four of these songs. Mike wrote, I think four or five, uh, the lyrics on it. And you think the lyrics are kind of the most, I don't know, intimate part. I don't know, but I, I don't know, but doesn't, don't these songs sound like, doesn't it sound the same in some as, ways? As Phil has no jacket required? Yeah. It almost feels like this is like, I don't know. It's there. It's uh, not quite as good to me, but like, but it does have a very similar sound, really similar to me. Yeah, I agree. But I also think they can't escape once, you know, once Phil's a great musician and once, once he was sort of elevated to the singer of the band that they, I, yeah, I think it's gonna. The band is kind of gonna, kind of gonna go in his direction. It, it, it is. So I, I think, I you're, think right. you're right. And so it, it is weird. And it's hard. And, and for people who are younger, don't remember, Bill Collins in 1987 was a fucking giant star. He was like he was huge. He and was, we we're talking, uh, you know, like I said this had five num- top five hits on. Like yeah, he was coming off a major, incredibly successful solo yeah. stuff yeah. on top of a successful Genesis albums. Like yeah. he was a, so I, you know, yes, you're right. The Mike and mechanics guy is in there too. So these aren't, and you know, Tony Banks is fine. Yeah. They're Phil not Collins is a different level. No, he, he, he absolutely is like right. no one else was going to have as big of a, Peter Gabriel didn't have a big, as big of a solo career no. as Phil Collins did. Right. And I love Peter Gabriel, but that's no knock on him. He's a, he's a superior writer to Phil Collins, but no, but no, no one. There are very few people that had be, between his solo and his band career who were bigger than him at that time? Who's, I mean, maybe Michael Jackson, but it's not. So some people believe that Phil Collins kind of was like kind of wielding a hammer a little bit during some of the, you know, or like kind of flexing his he muscles a been. little bit. He seen, I, from the things that I've read, he doesn't seem to have, he's not as much of a egocentric bastard as I think that would I mean, They still that. play with him. They can't be that mad. They still did so. like album with him. They did yeah. that, you know, I can't dance whatever album with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, sort of self-deprecating. You think like the way he looks and presents himself and he sort of makes fun of but himself. But then he has, he has, there, there's a lot there. We talked about it a little yeah, bit yeah. with his life kind of disintegrating and yeah, oh, some, of it, some of it was his fault. A lot of it sure. wasn't just trusting the wrong people or um, some sad stuff there with him. Um, but he seems to get along with those guys. So there doesn't seem to be bad blood there at all. So that tells me that and some of these things are different than Phil Collins' solo stuff where the songs do go on forever. Yeah. So maybe there are, is something to that. He definitely drove them more poppy. Uh, yes. They would never have sold as many no. records as they sold. If, Their sound changed. If Peter Gabriel was still there. It just and also like it became more like after In the Air Tonight, like 1980, anything Genesis did after that sounds so much more Phil Collins. It does. Influenced. Yeah. Like 
or driven. Yeah, Abba Cab was kind of the last one, which I, I really do like that album, but that was that's definitely a more progressive album. Still poppier. Um that's a fun that's a fun album. There's some cool stuff on it. But uh but then after that it really started to to get poppier. And then and this is the this is the the absolute high. And then after this we get I don't know if I can't dance might be after it might be the one after this in ninety. 90 or 91, because remember when I was on I don't think there KMS, was one. I thought it was 89, but it wasn't. It was like 91. So it's, th- I think, and this is the last one before that, mm-hmm. right? And then it gets super, like, that's not, like, I don't like that album. I read a review of that. I think that nailed it. It said bland. Like, it's exactly super bland. Right. It's, it's so bland. Yeah, it's like. Because this isn't bland. There's some of these songs I don't love, but it's not bland. No, it's interesting. Invisible touch, There's some texture. Invisible, Invisible Touch is, a great is an amazing song. Great song. Like, there is some of the finest Bass work is in that song ever. It is a killer bass line. Great it is song. so good. It just has a lot of energy. It's yeah, beautifully written. I, I really love that one. Um, my knock is with with Phil is he's not a very good lyricist. Like what the fuck are no, these lyrics? No, we've gone into this before. With this it's stuff. like and you know it was it, the original name for the song was Monkey Zulu. Yeah, because he was just like scatting, and that's the word that came. They out said of his monkey. Face. The word monkey. It drove the. The entire song. It's really kind of weird. Like, that's not that crazy of a word. And then he's, he uses it in the first uh, line there. Mm-hmm. I'm coming down, coming down like a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all right. Like a load on your back. Like a load on your back. You can't see. Oh, but it's all right. Try to shake it loose. Like this is not this is a monkey load on your back. What the fuck is this? It's, he's not a good lyricist. No. That's the sad thing. Peter Gabriel, a phenomenal lyricist. Yes. So that's kind of too bad. I can't but, argue that. Yeah. At all. Um, I mean, we've gone through this. Is our, what our third Phil Collins? Hopefully, our I love Phil Collins. But no, I think we're, I think we're probably going to have invisible touch. I think that's going to have a break. Oh, yeah, all right. I mean, I'll, well, do, I mean, I'll do I, my I best. Uh, yeah, I know. I'll do my best. Um, but but every time we run into Phil Collins, song, we both love the song, or both enjoy, or can at least respect the song, or appreciate it. But then we're both like the lyrics are just awful. I do want to take a look at where is it. Uh, which is funny because Phil Collins is a funny guy. You think he, you think he write better lyrics? He's a clever guy. You see him interviewed. Yeah, he is self-deprecating. He has some. He's he's like quippy. Like you think he'd have some fun, interesting lyrics, but you you don't get that. You get kind of nonsense or just you don't idiocy. I did want to point out a couple things uh, in the song. So in the beginning of it, here, listen to how this song starts. I always, whenever I listen to a song, I'm, my mind goes, what does this remind me of? And that's part of, like, if I get surprised, I, I tend to, if it surprises me a little bit, I'm like, oh, what's this? And then I get kind of interested in it. So when I listen to this right away, you know what that reminded me of right away? Very similar to sexual healing. Very similar. See, I had a different thing it reminded me of. What did it remind you of? It was more because I'm not a musician, so it's more the mood. Miami Vice. Totally Miami Vice, too. Yeah. The opening of Miami Vice. It has a lot to do with the time, like Just the, the, the tampers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then it gets moody, too. So what happens is Sexual Healing is a major song. It's a happier song where this one gets darker and moody. But then I'll tell you where it goes. So here's... here's. So then that reminds me of this, which happened four or five years earlier. Kind of similar chords. Kind of similar. A little bit, yeah. Similar timbre, similar yeah. chords, similar drums. The drum timbre is a little bit different, but yeah. So it's, just, it's kind of an amalgamation of drive, uh, of course, by the right. cars and, uh, and sexual healing. I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, then the only... There was cars another, are great. 
That's a, uh, yeah. Ours is so great. Super kind of underrated, I would say. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they're kind of been forgotten about. I love that song, too. That, that song's um, a great song. Maybe people under 35 or under 30 don't, don't appreciate the cars enough. And then in the extended bridge section in one of the longer ones, this is what happens. What does this remind you of? That reminds me of Axel A. Oh, really? Meets. Thriller. Eh. These are all about mood to me. Yeah. It's, it's just like, this is almost like a Blade Runner kind of thing going on. Oh, right? yeah. Well, that's the sense of the time. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's what hits yeah. me. It's just like that. Let me see it. Hold on. Let me just... Yeah, I like the I do like the bridge that happens in the short version. I think mm -hmm. it's kind of a pretty Me cool too. thing. But um yeah, I don't know. I guess that's it. Uh Genesis. Here we are. You like the song when I do. I do like the song. I think it's I think it is I a, think a, song I think it's a, a cool C plus. song. I don't like the lyrics. It's not C. I, uh, it's a B. I like the, I don't the lyrics aren't very good, but I, I like the way it's constructed. It's interesting. And I think it's pretty. I'll, I'll sing along with tonight's nice tonight. Yeah. Not my favorite on the album, of course. My favorite on the album, which we already talked about, is Throwing It All Away, of course. Oh. Love that fucking song. Monkey Zulu, by the way. Yeah, Monkey. Um, I think that's it. Uh, okay. Yeah, what are you doing? Uh, let's talk about like, baseball cards. Um, so this is right around probably when I would have gotten my first, or roughly the first time I kind of found baseball cards. Um, I remember I went to a, it might have been a few months earlier than this, but um, I went to a, like, there's a deli, um, right in the town. I lived in Deer Park, uh, and, uh, it was B&B &B Deli. That was the name of the deli. I don't think it exists anymore. Do you know what B&B &B stood for? Like, I think it might have been the brothers. They might have oh. been their names, but so the last name of the family was, was, uh, H-O-A-R. <laughs> and they had two girls. Hua. Hua girls. <laughs> yeah, of yes. course. I was like, why? Like, just, <laughs> why? Just change your name at that point. Like, what are you doing? Um, very nice family though. Very, and they own, they own the deli. And, um, I remember just being, you know, like as a kid, you're like, Oh, just looking at different can is near the candy section. So I figured it must be for kids, you know? I'm like, what is, I just, my parents were not sports fans at all. Right. Um, but it's kind of bought like, Oh, I just bought, it has gum in it. I'll buy this, you know? And I, you know, uh, and I remember opened the pack and it would have been the, uh, 1987 tops. Um, that was the one with the wood frame. Yeah, um, I know it well. Yeah, I, mean, I have Mark McGuire. I have a bunch of cards with the 87 tops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know McGuire was in that. I set. thought it was. Mar I thought uh, it was McGuire. Like, might be the next year, right? I thought that was. Isn't that his rookie? Maybe, maybe you're right. I feel like I've. You might be right. Because definitely was Conseco's, right? Yes. And like Wally Joyner, a bunch of guys. Uh, but um, yeah, it was a. It was actually it was a very iconic. Yeah. Uh, set. Um, but I, so I didn't really, I, I don't know anything about baseball at all. And, um, I was just about to start Widow league, uh, probably a couple, but a month or so after this time, but you know, say five months after I got this first pack of cards. So I didn't even know the positions were, I don't know anything. So like, um, so like CF for standard field or SS meant nothing to me, but I remember seeing like, Oh wow. It shows me how tall the guys are, how much they weigh, where they're from. It also would say where they're living now, which is a strange, you know, that baseball cards anymore. But maybe like, like I was just kind of they live. Oh yeah, I, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, that. and um, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, 
I was just kind of learning about states. Yeah, and I'd be yeah, more yeah. like interested in like the vitals than I was about the stuff. But then eventually, you know, you get enough cards. You're like, oh, what is this other stuff? What could it mean? And, I, you know, obviously G is games, but some of this stuff was like trying to figure out. So it was almost like kind of like putting together this mystery. It's a puzzle. These yeah, yeah, it was. It was a really fun way to you know, learn about baseball. You know, a year later, I had a baseball encyclopedia. I was all in. But for this time, to kind of figure it out. And baseball cards were... I love baseball cards. Um, and I mean, I remember, I'm sure you do too. If, you know, if you, do you get, do you collect cards growing up for a while? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, whether it be trying to get the Gary Sheffield or Greg Jeffries rookie cards or, yeah. and then I moved to New Hampshire, 89 and, um, I had a hard time kind of making friends the first like two years, but like one thing that everyone had were baseball cards. And then back then we were allowed to bring our cards in and make trades. So like that helped me kind of connect with some kids that maybe wouldn't have. I said, oh, I collect cards too. So we could kind of talk and, and do trades and stuff. Yep. But by eighth grade, they banned the cards. They you couldn't bring them in? No, they was didn't it, like us trading. They was were it, oh. Some kids are getting ripped off. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, so. you know, well, that's, that's, buyer beware, that's man. It's a good lesson. Though. It is a very good lesson. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it was just, it was, you know, I, I loved, you know, upper deck were kind of like the fancy card yep. and then Don Russ was kind of, kind of shitty. What about Fleer? Where Fleer, did Fleer was like uh, on the shittier side. Yeah. Um, and score were cool. Remember, score had a had a cool. Uh, they, I it was those were like a step below upper deck. Mm. Uh, and then tops was always kind of like right in the middle. Um, and uh, I collected. I think I collected cards until I was about you know, 15, 16. Mm. I collected for a while. I just I didn't. You know, once I started driving, I didn't really you know collect. I guess, but I was still gonna get packs now and then or whatever. Um, and then um, just a couple years ago during the pandemic or even like, I might've been last year. Um, I was just bored and I'm like, Oh, I'll collect cards. And I, I went and start, I'm started collecting 1989 tops. And I have almost, like, I bought a bunch of boxes. You could buy boxes yep. cheap. Yep. So I, bought, so I almost have like a whole, I'm trying to do a whole set just with packs. Right. And I almost have, I only have like 50 or 60 cards left. Um, I want to see if I can see if I can do it. But, uh, but that's been really fun to kind of look at the cards again. I mean, I even love these cards still love the gum. You don't eat the gum. It's no, so no, gross. no, no, no. If you eat old gum, uh, old gum it, it, it Basically, just dissolves yeah, your powder yeah, yeah. No, no. in your mouth. It's no. awful. Um, I made that mistake uh, at least a few times. Um, but uh, it's just fun, like the smell of the car. It just it's so it's so nostalgic. Um, it was such a huge, I said, huge part of my life. I really, I you know, I'd get the binders and have like the the, the sleeves. You put the cards in. You put nine yep. cards in a sleeve. It was just fun. It's just fun to do that. Like I still, just, yeah, I still have a, a a binder with sleeves, and then I've got yeah. some boxes and some cards that are protected and stuff. I like mean, a, the yeah. cards, you know, when we were growing up, the cards, what happened was it was just the fifties, everyone threw the cards out. So what happened was the cards became rare, yeah. but with our generation, we all knew they were collectors item. And then the card companies made more than ever because of this boom mm. and, uh, they became worthless. But now because of the pandemic, like cards are kind of getting a comeback again. The only thing that bumps me out is, so I love tops. Tops is my favorite, yep. it, even though it was the most kind of basic, but it was, it was the, the standard. And then, um, major league baseball and all their greed signed exclusivity contracts. So basically saying like tops is the only card company. Uh, there is. So that got rid of Don risk, Fleer, upper oh, deck and they all die out. That sucks. Make matters worse. Um, Oh my God. I'm forgetting what company it was. Some random company, not under armor, but something like that. Some, I'm sure someone, a card fan is, was like, Oh no, we're going to make cards. Now they jumped in, offered major league baseball and insane amount of money. So now I think after next year, tops is out. So Tops has been since Mickey Mantle. Tops has been the standard. Well, what's Tops do? They're done. That's They're it. Fucked, I guess. Now, what happens is people are saying, "Well, maybe this company will buy Tops, and then they can kind of keep that consistency or Ugh. something." But it just seems like a mess. That sucks. The yeah. licensing part of it really sucks. 
Like we grew up with like all those, you know, whether it be, remember those little trophies for like uh, yeah, Tops Rookie of the Year. I do, yeah. Um, and then you had like Future Stars yeah. and uh, all the league leaders, like all the kind of the corny stuff that we grew up with was a nice consistent thing. And that's all gone. It's going to be all gone now. It's bullshit. Well, yeah. the Tops cars will be worth more though. Honestly. I don't know, but no, I, think I, I almost think it'd be worth less in the long run because people are like, then Tops won't, because what happened was like Donruss score and upper deck cards weren't worth it anymore because they weren't still making cards. They almost kind of fell by the wayside. Now they're going to be rare though. Maybe. I don't know. There's so many of them. I don't know. It sucks, but I was, I don't know. It was like the one, like one of the nice consistencies in our life was like, oh, Tops makes a set every year. You can go buy it. You can look at it and you can kind of see baseball history in that way. It's like, oh, they're not going to make it anymore. It's just another thing that, from our child that dies out. It just bums me out. Everything dies. Sorry about that. Yeah. Everything does. It sucks. It's sad. It's not good. I have some weird ones too, like some weird kind of reissue Ty Cobb one. I did some square cards. I don't even, I don't remember anymore because I haven't looked at You're it like forever. Like old Honus Wagner probably in there. Yeah, there's yeah. like, yeah, there's yeah, like some dude. weird, <laughs> like, I don't know where, who made these, but. That's uh, rich. He's sitting on his baseball cards. No, not no a real Honus. No, like a one, some reissued yeah. from the 80s, like. I, I love the cards. I would just, yeah. I would just, I was all, I only really did baseball. I know some people did baseball or football or hockey nah. or basketball. No. I did a little bit of that, but my, my thing was always the baseball. Cards. No, baseball. Uh, no, 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 no other reason. Big, big part of my life for, for a good, a good chunk of my childhood. I really go. Did you keep cards. all your cards? I didn't. I never really cared about the money. It was it more. Yeah. I just enjoyed collect. I just enjoyed like, I was, that's how I fell in love with stats. I just enjoyed that's what I didn't like about Donruss. Donruss would only have the last five years. Like, show me That's the whole bullshit. thing. Yeah. I remember being a kid, I was so excited when I got like a Tommy John or like a Don Sutton card because they, Burt Bylove, and they had like long careers. Yeah. So you could like see all the stats. It was almost like a bonus. It kind of, I was like the only person that didn't like getting a rookie card because like, oh, I only get like one year, one year of stats. I like seeing the trends or seeing like what happened trying yeah. to figure out what ha- why did this guy miss a season here? Like what happened? And, and I really would love when I got really like John Candelaria these really old players. It's so great because I had so Nolan Ryan. So yeah. many, cause you had, you know, these George bread, Robin, Allen, these great long stats to look at. I was always really excited about that. I mean, very happy. I mean, very, I happy. liked, I really liked looking at the stats too. All the, it was the best. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. Mm, I'm sad that this ending. Sorry about um, that. so we have only sports headlines, uh, this week. Yeah. Um, so, uh, keeping with the sports uh, theme here, April 6th, Sugar Ray Leonard defeats Marvin Hagler in a 12-round split decision to become middleweight champion. This was a huge fight, I guess, in this area. Before my time, I was in New York, and also I was just too young. Um, but Kirk Minahan says that he, uh, I think, watched this fight at, like, uh, he went to, like, a like a stadium or a arena and watched it on closed-circuit TV. Yeah. Why was it so big here? I don't understand the... Marvin Hagler's local oh, see, Okay. Yeah. But I guess it was all... Oh, so not only that, this fight wasn't just big here. This is front page, A1, New York Times. Can you imagine a middleweight boxing no. fight even being front page of the sports section? No. This was the front page of the news. No. It was below the full, but still. I mean, in the heyday, um, when it, it, was still, it was still the heavyweight fights that, that got the headlines. Yeah. But this, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I think maybe like a Manny Pacquiao fight. Yeah, it might get front page on a sports section. Uh, yeah. It could. Yeah. But like to be front page New York Times is wild. That's crazy. It just shows you how boxing, talk about everything dies. I know. You know, in our lifetime, we have seen the end of boxing. It's we so really sad. Yeah. It, it sucks. Boxing is MMA, awesome. And MMA, have con- has, uh, but it's not as big. So it's not as like, it's, I think, it's not, yeah, I know. It's, it's still yeah. like, um, it's still niche. Like you don't see, people aren't, 
like you don't get it on your normal. T- no, it's not on ABC, a regular no, channel. Right. You're never going to see yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of these were, you know, before pay-per-view. Kind of, pay-per-view I kind never, of ruined boxing. I don't like boxing and I don't like uh, I don't like MMA. I don't like either. I loved boxing as, as a kid or even as, as a young adult. Um, the thing with boxing, the thing with MMA, so boxing, you had those old timers who loved boxing and they yeah. kind of were there. Then you also younger people who loved like Mike Tyson or whatever, yeah. you know, from our yeah. age group. But the problem with MMA is you don't have those old fans because it didn't exist. So yeah. you just have kind of a younger crowd. I wonder if maybe in 40 years, MMA will have the older fans and the younger fans. It'll become, I just don't enjoy watching it. I don't like watching it. It's, it's almost like too brutal for me too. It's too brutal. Um, we're boxing. I, I, That's just too brutal for me too. I, I get it. I mean, I enjoy it when it's Rocky or like right, a, a, movie, you know, yeah. a movie with the drama and all that stuff. And you get a relationship with the. With with him, but uh, but no, I don't. I don't like. No, I, I don't like. Well, it's not my thing. If boxing was big, I'd watch it. Which still. is weird because I don't. I I'm fine with fighting in 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 uh, in an NHL. I mean, it's different, but uh, mm. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with settling some shit that way on the ice. But I don't like the brutality of it in the ring. It's just I don't know why. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah. Uh, April seventh, uh, opening day for the Mets. The reason yeah. why that's uh. Notable is it was not, oh, opening day in nineteen eighty seven. So they get their World Series rings. Dwight Gooden not there. Dwight Gooden was um, in rehab, <laughs> so uh, he famously missed the uh, eighty six World Series parade because he was uh, in uh, like a while in crack house uh, and overslept. And then he came to spring training, and uh, the you know rumors all winter like where was Doc and what was going on. And then he uh, he failed a drug test uh, in spring training, and um, right before the the season started, and he. Uh, he missed a month. He missed a month of time. Uh, really, you know, obviously his 86 season wasn't his, his 85 season was amazing. He had a 153 ERA. Wasn't the case in 86, but he's still a great, great pitcher. This really was the beginning of the end of his greatness. Was yeah. Going into the drug rehab there. And he came back. I think he still had an area under three. I want to say he even might even won 15 games that year. He still had a very solid season. Mitts missed the playoffs by like two games. It was really all the difference in the world. Right. That he, he, the whole pitching staff actually ended up getting hurt that year. It was a bizarre. Bobby Ojeda almost cut his finger off gardening. It was a very strange season. Um, I think a lot of guys had World Series hangover too. Uh, it's a shame because that team had so much talent, but this was really, it was really the beginning of the, beginning of the end of a, of a, dynasty, a dynasty that never happened, which is too bad because they had- They got a World Series out of it. They, they did, but they, they, had, few, yeah. they had maybe the most talent of any baseball team I, in my lifetime, if you just take the 86 and you said how young a lot of them were yeah. and they completely, completely ruined it. Yeah. They completely pissed it away. They went to, they went to the playoffs in 88, of course, against the Dodgers. They won hundred games a year and lost in seven games and then they wouldn't make the playoffs again. And by 1993, they were, they lost hundred games. So like they completely, and Doc was on that team, by the yeah. way, they completely collapsed. Very sad. Um, April 8th. And I, I had Matt pull some sound for us here. Al Campanis. So Al Campanis was the general manager of the Dodgers. And this is the 40th anniversary of Jackie Robinson making it to the major leagues. Right. So they had on um, Roger Angel, um, who's a writer, uh, and they had on Al Campanis, who was the who was the GM of the Dodgers. He had been the GM of the Dodgers since 1968. So he's a 70-year-old man at this time. And he had been the Dodgers GM for 20 years. And I, I, maybe Matt can play the clip and we can give some kind of backstory. To sure, here's... There's still that much prejudice in baseball today? No, I don't believe it's prejudice. I, I, I truly believe that they may not have some of the uh, necessities to uh, be, a, let's say, a field manager or p- perhaps a, a general manager. You really believe that? Well, I don't say that they're, they're all of them, but there certainly are short 
How many quarterbacks do you have? How many pitchers do you have that are black? It, it same yeah, but thing I mean, applies. you know, I got to tell you, that sounds like the same kind of garbage we were hearing 40 years ago about players when they when they were saying, ah, not 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 really, not well, really cut out. Hey, you remember the days, you know, they hit a black football player in the knees, and you know, no, that really sounds like garbage. If you if you forget no, that, so it's not it's not garbage, Mr. Koppel, because uh, I played on a on a college team, and the center fielder was black, and then the backfield at NYU with a fullback who was black never knew the difference of whether he was black or white we were teammates so it, it just might be that they they why are, are black uh, men or, or black people not good swimmers because they don't have the buoyancy oh i don't, I don't I, it, it may just be that they don't have access to all the country clubs and the pools right so i mean <laughs> they don't have buoyancy yeah well, that was a that was I. I heard that before. Uh, it, it, that was a thing where people said black people couldn't swim because they they just physically weren't able to. It, it right. It's, and obviously, Cop was right. Give Cop a credit. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah. He's you know uh, certainly had the right thing. So Campanis is an interesting figure. Uh, as you can tell, he's you know just insane. So by the way, he's fired two days later. One of the first people to be canceled, if you will, for their um, for their opinions. Uh, and this really, people would talk about Al Campanis for years later um, because it was so shocking. Um, a the idiotic things he was saying, and then B that no, we never we hadn't seen so many people canceled before for thought. Um, he obviously should have been fired. He's a GM. Now I want to give some kind of backstory and campanus a little bit, kind of just to understand, say him a little bit. But he was a seventy-year-old man at this time, which is very old for a GM. Seventy sure. years old. Um, he. Uh, by all accounts, was was not the Dodgers were not a racist organization necessarily. Now. Uh, in 1974, Walter, I'm sorry, 75 or 76, Walter Alston left the Dodgers. Walter Alston was the longtime manager. He was one that managed in 55 when they won the World Series. He was a manager when he went to LA. He was Sandy Koufax's manager the entire yeah, time. Yeah. He was a long time. Alston's like, I'm going to step down. I'm getting old. They've gone to the World Series in 74 with a team that, um, Campanis built, but they lost. Um, and, uh, they had two choices for manager. Tommy Rosorda, of course, would become manager. You had Jim Gillian. Jim Gillian was the second baseman on those 50s Dodgers teams. He's a very good player, a great uh, batter's eye, um, a very intelligent player, despite what Campanis, and Campanis knew that. It was between those two guys, but Campanis shows Rosorda, and some people now, some people at the time had some revisionist history, and, you know, after this interview, it was like, yeah. well, well, is this why you chose Lasorda. I mean, in fairness, Lasorda would go on to win two World Series. It's not like he wasn't qualified to right. do it. So right. Lasorda was obviously yeah. a great manager. It is sad Julian never got a shot ever to manage in the big leagues. Sure. Um, but Campanis um, built those teams uh, in the 70s with Steve Garvey and Reggie Smith, who was, was a black player. Garvey was white. You know, it wasn't just they only had white players. Davey Lopes, uh, Hispanic player. So they had, um, you know, it wasn't just he built this all-white team. It wasn't like he was this guy that seemed to have this this white mindset. But having said that though, he was a 70 year old man who grew up with maybe some kind of stupid theories that had been maybe passed down. And maybe he wasn't necessarily racist. Uh, and he put Al Campanis in 2021 and he's a 35 year old guy. Here's our age. He's probably, he probably agree with us. Hopefully yeah. he'd be open-minded guy, but he was this guy where you could tell that just the entire society had completely passed him by. And even I just you, you just think if you're a crazy. GM, if you're a GM and you I mean, you like putting these ridiculous limitations on on people because of their skin color. I mean, it's just like it just seems so 
so ass backwards to have that perspective. It's like you're observing the world, like you walk through the world. How do you not, how does that not change? I, I don't understand. And then you think about it too. It wasn't like they were on debating race. They were on to kind of like honor Jackie know, Robinson. That's the other thing. And, and like he knew Jackie Robinson. Like Jackie Robinson knew Al Campanis. Like, um, and they were, you know, Jackie Robinson, by the way, he retired uh, in 1957 before the Dodgers would move to, to uh, LA. LA. So, you know, Campanis, I mean, Campanis was in gym until 68. So it wasn't like he was there ever, you know, but they, but they knew of each other. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, Jackie Robinson did die young, but they, but he knew like, they, you know, and, all, but Cam Hannes had many black players in his, you know, his farm, the Dodgers pharmacist in the seventies was one of the best, uh, in all of baseball. Uh, obviously we went to four world series, but it wasn't like they had ever had this reputation of being this, this like racist, uh, organization. It's so very, I guess it didn't apply to players, but it applied to, well, he kind of says he's like, oh, no player. He seems to back it off. Yeah. Right. That statement, yeah but then right. he's like, no, any coaches and you just wonder like oh it's just yeah it's, it's a really interesting snapshot in time um uh, how do you not say maybe it's the opportunity exactly what Koppel said yes. maybe it's an opportunity issue like have you ever thought of that i mean there's yeah so, like socioeconomic reasons there's a bunch of reasons yeah including guys like campanis maybe not giving black coaches a shot. shot right um uh but yeah campanis and you know campanis later on would say you know like I was, uh, I was really exhausted during the interview. That, that I wasn't real. I was kind of speaking out of turn. Uh, eventually, the Dodgers. By the way, so this happened in April of '87. Yeah, it's a huge, huge deal. Um, and then you know, the guy was GM for 20 years. And then '88, um, the they win the World Series. Um, and uh, with a lot of the guys that you think about it, you know, it wasn't you know, yes. Kirk Gibson had come later. A few other guys had come later, but you know, Oral Hershiser, a lot of those guys were guys that Campanis sure. brought on. Um, and Campanis said later on, he's like, you know, time. Uh, it was best for everybody that happened. He's like, obviously, I wish I wish I hadn't said those things on TV, but the team got better because I left. This got brought to the we're talking talking about now in 2021. This got brought yeah. to the conversation. He's like, in hindsight, even though it might not have been great for me, I was an old man, and I'm, I'm glad this did come out. He never, um, I I, I think he understood. But you, if you watch the interview, you can almost see his face kind of, he realizes, oh shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make what he said right or, or uh, any more right. But you think that like, that would have been brought up in conversation, like, you know, at around, just, he's seeing a lot of people. He's talking to a lot of people. You'd think they have a, have a few drinks and like, you know, get to talking. Well, that's kind of that dangerous pushed, thing. Pushed back on him at some point. Well, well that's the best thing people were saying is like, all right, well, are the GMs having these conversations? Yeah. If you go to, you know, are they discussing which managers are going to hire or, or him and his crew at the dot or whatever it is, or him and other GMs, are they, how, is this the kind of shit that's coming out that, you know, black people can't sue because they're not buoyant or, or any of this nonsense. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, and you know, talking about their ability to even be able to coach, it's, it's just madness. And it, but you know, he, I said, you just have to not, obviously not excusing it, but you have to remember how old this guy was and, and how, uh, and how much time must have changed in his life? You know, I mean, and once again, not excusing it, but um, the Dodgers, obviously, yeah. you know, the O'Malley's were famous for uh, the owners. I'm sorry. The owners of uh, Dodgers O'Malley's were famous for not, they like to have consistency. They kept Olsen forever. Hmm. They kept Lasorda forever. Um, a lot of the changes the Dodgers had since 98 was because the O'Malley sold the team to Fox and they went in and changed. And now we've had, the Dodgers have had several owners since yeah. obviously the current owners are great, Yeah, but they had a lot of change, but, the O'Malley's were just basically, we're not going to make any changes. But when you do that, you allow this kind of rot to be in your organization. Maybe you some do. of these thoughts that, that no one's, no one's double checking him. I guess no not. Yeah. 
I guess not. Nope. I just would expect that to happen, but he's still a man of the world. Like he's out, he's traveling with the yeah. team, he's meeting a bunch of people. You, you expect that more from someone who's very sheltered. Yes. And they don't have inputs from a lot of different places, but he's having cultural inputs. He's, you know, at least all around the country. So yeah. you'd think- I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's the GM for 20 years right. of a major league baseball team. I mean, you're not yeah. sheltered. You're not, no. you're not living in a basement somewhere. No. Like, you know. In LA, like, and you've been you're to a four LA. World Series, like, you couldn't have maybe a more spotlight type situation. In fact, yeah. you know, there's someone in there with these beliefs. It it brought it brought a lot of the you know I think a lot of people were maybe saying oh racism doesn't exist at, you know or doesn't maybe not exist at, to the levels people were saying it was. But then someone campaigns on it and you go oh shit no it's still in 1987 still re-. and it, there is racism happening now in 2021 sure. you know is that still very real. Um, uh, so every once in a while you get a, a, you have a clip like that and you're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, it was in, in a, by a very powerful person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wild, a wild thing. Yeah. The Alcampana stuff is, is really interesting. Um, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad because, uh, you know, a lot of people came to his defense and said, this is not a racist man. Um, I don't know if I, you know, well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, <laughs> I, don't know if I buy that. I think he, he does sound like a racist guy, but he, you know, he also might've been a, a guy that also, you know, like, okay, we talked about, you know, it's different with racism, I, I think, but, you know, you can also grow and learn too as you get older. And that's true. Hopefully, you know, well, all right, well, you know, maybe I should be more mindful of people, of people's fears or maybe some thoughts that might be differently than mine and try to be a little bit more open-minded about stuff. You know, I think Camp Hansen got older ahead. Oh no, like I, I fucking missed the point of that when I was, I was off on that one. And I think he, you know, he, he learned that lesson a, a, a very hard way. Different than the uh, owner of the, uh, Los Angeles, uh, what was it? The Clippers? Who was oh, that? <laughs> that guy's the bad person. Jesus oh, Christ. What's his name? Donald, uh, um, yeah, I heard, uh, Oh, I got to think of his name. That, you know, that guy was a, so that guy was a, uh, like, yeah, like a really destructive person. Like very destructive. Um, and just, just a horrible guy. Yeah. Where Campanus by all accounts, um, had some horrible beliefs, but was, just, well, and that's the way we, we want to picture racist Donald too, Sterling. like Donald Sterling, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how we want to picture racist, like just terrible, terrible. Right. People. But sometimes it's people who could be otherwise respectful. And maybe he was respectful to black players. He could have been, he could have been as respectful to black players as white players, but at the same time. And maybe he had like decent intentions in his mind. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, Sterling, uh, too, but I mean, Sterling was just, you know, so, uh, so destructive, but yeah. like, right. This could have been a guy that maybe just was just had this old set of beliefs that yeah. were, actually really damaging to a lot of people and it may have cost some people some careers and some shots. And you wonder about like the trades this guy's made. Like you just wonder about every decision he makes down the line. Then I just have a hard time. Whenever I hear something like this, I always think this is a dumb person. Like this is someone who's not, who can't like, you can't, it's just observationally like he's a dumb, but obviously he's not. Um, so it's sad. And I think there's probably a lot less of that even now than there was then, but, but then again, people said that back then. And then there's something that's happened. Well, like, and, oh, think, shit. And, and things were, you know, yeah. for 40 years before 35 years before then you think of right. the state of the world. Um, I mean, before 30 years before then, and we're talking, we're talking about like still some like segregation in some places, yeah. like school segregation and shit. So it's funny how no one really, I shouldn't say no one, but uh, maybe white people never feel like they live in racist times. Or at least it's been in the last few, but yet, you know well, what I mean? but, know, but then if you look back, you know, like in 40 years, we're going to look back at this and be like, oh no, they were fucking really racist. I don't think so. I mean, everyone said, right? That's what no, I mean, no, but, but thing, I mean, I think our lifetime is different, but, uh, but you're right. Then you have some shit like this, right. but I don't think that that's, see, I think he's an anomaly. I don't think he speaks for 
more, more than a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people in the country. Like we're a pretty good melting pot. I mean, it's not perfect. Yeah, it's not perfect. I think, yeah, I agree it's not perfect. Yeah. But, but I do wonder though, like what, what, I always wonder what Maybe. do people say about us? And like, well, just like we do this show, like we look back, we're like, oh, that was kind of fucked up. Well, just depend- the other thing too is like everybody, you're going to be judgmental about people. Like yeah. that's just the way it is. So, uh, but I, so I wonder at what point at, <laughs> you are observing, um, the things that you see. And so at what point is it racism and, and what, at what point is observation? I think like, I think what makes something racist now is a lot more minute and detailed than it was then. Like you're not seeing overt shit like that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yo, yes. I, yeah. I, it's, but at some right. point there's a line. It's like, Oh, I'm just observing. Right. Like, yes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I yes. Yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, it is, doing this show, it, it is interesting to kind of look back and be like, oh, wow. Like, even, even to read some of the New York Times articles and just how stuff is worded, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I don't, here's an example. I don't think an actor acting, playing a part of a different culture, race, sexuality, whatever, is racist. I don't either. I just don't. But I bet in four, maybe in 40 years that will- Well, we'll, we'll I mean, stop. that's that's happening now. But, but yeah, but uh, maybe in 40 years, society would be like, no, that that is absolutely racist. I hope actually in 40 years, they look back and they're like, no, that's acting. Like, that's that's not- there's not someone who's, I don't know. Who's thinking maybe they're right. Maybe the someone. future people are right. Maybe we're wrong. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to just ask try to, just try to, you try to do the best you can. That's it. So go get, go get tickets to our live show. Do it. It's at some link. Yes. It's somewhere. <laughs> it's $25 or 20. I guess Patreon. So we're going to do, Oh, we'll tell about it. Uh, we say 25, 20, 25, 20. Yeah. Is that pa- what we're patrons. Do? Yeah. So we we'll give them a code. Patrons. will get a code. We'll give them a code. Um, yeah. And uh, yes, go get the live, go get the live shit again. Before, yeah, come and get see them where it. They sell out, which maybe could. 186. Might, we need like 186 t-shirt or something, don't we? Might have 186. One, you know, it's not, no, it's, no, 187 is murder, right? Don't want to do that. Oh, 187. Yeah, no, know, but 186. How many so, t-shirts? It's okay. People, well, we, people can make their own t-shirts. They want. No, or you can buy a Quantum Week t-shirt. That's what, on, on our website. that's what I mean. A 186 Quantum Week t-shirt. Or, no, you can just, or you can just buy a QW. If you want. But go get tickets now. Come see our live show about a movie we haven't announced yet. <laughs> and we're back tomorrow. Uh, secret of uh, my success yes. and uh, lean on me. Anything else? Yeah. See ya.